welcome back to Devils on the Rush. You got the fisherman here with Alex Chavance. Alex, uh, it seems that we've gotten a bunch of feedback from some listeners, some good, some not so good. Uh, to all of our listeners out there, thank you for the feedback. You know, this is our first uh, stab at this, and we will work our way through our editing and, and chopping and inserting and deleting, but we'll get there. So uh, bear with us, and thanks for listening. Alex, how was, how was the week? Uh, pretty good. I mean, the Devils had a busy week, and it was a pretty good week, too. Um, you know, I don't know how much you were able to catch this week, but uh, it's, things definitely looking up for the Devils after the first week of the preseason, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I tried to catch as many preseason games as I could. Uh, my wife and I actually went out to Chicago for 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 a conference uh, that she was speaking at, so that was that was nice. And now back in uh, the lovely state of New Jersey, uh, and we also had a pretty big win today. Uh, Zach Wilson back on the field. Jets bringing home the W. Big stuff happening. Yeah, and big stuff happened when you were in the air for the most part. I mean, you know, you said you were uh, boarding or you've lost Wi-Fi or whatever or something like that. And then you came back and it was all of a sudden it was 24, 20 Jets. So we might need to get you in the air for every Jets game here. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's best if I just don't watch and then check the score at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, it worked. So I don't know. If, was it like that for the Browns game too? Was that uh, was that the deal also? Uh, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, th- I wasn't in the air, but I definitely said to myself, this game is over and went in the other room and then All right, I came so back. I think we have a, something here for Jets games here. We, we might just, when things are going poorly, you stop watching and then that's it. Game time. It's winning time. Well, let's hope, let's hope that's not the case for the Devils games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do enjoy actually watching those when they are playing well. Yeah. No, I mean, there's 82 of those. So, you know, I, I would think that there's not going to be jinxing there. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope yeah. not. Now, you, you mentioned it earlier. It was quite a busy week for the Devils. They had four preseason games, one against the Habs, one against the Isles, and two against that team over across the Hudson <laughs> that shall not be named. Now... <laughs> We can, you know, I, I think it's best. Let's let's just get your overall thoughts on the preseason. I don't think we need to go game by game unless there's some specific performances that you want to highlight. But overall, what what are your thoughts on the first four games? Um, yeah, so there's a lot to like uh, after the first four games. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood has just kind of been. Uh, He's been. Is he back, really, Alex? Is it, he back? It looks like he's back. I know you said you don't want to go over like specific games, but that game on Friday was, you know, that was something else from Mackenzie Blackwood. That was kind of the reason why. They only At one point, I ball. believe the shots were seventeen to one. I mean, holy shnikes! Yeah, the first period was. Um, it was bad. There's no other way to put it. Uh, the, yeah, like you said, the shots were seventeen to one. Uh, Mac was keeping them in as much as he could. Um, so, you know, I mean, he stopped what I think 35 shots on 30 or 30. Yeah. He made 35 saves on 37 shots that game. Uh, it definitely looked like he was back. So great performance, uh, yeah. all around. I think, I think the forward group, you had the more talent on the forward group that game and lesser talent on the back end. And I think it was vice versa for the night before, uh, you know, at least on paper, uh, the performances yeah. might say otherwise, but yeah, Mac might be back, and you know, knock on wood, we don't get an injury here, or this isn't just a flash in the pan. 
but you know it was it was the Mac of old, the Mac of kicking the puck off the line against the B- Boston Bruins, uh, the Mac that's winning games single handedly, and you know, and we mentioned this in the last podcast. But if this team's going to do anything, it's going to be on the back of of the goaltending uh, tandem that we have in place. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think specifically on Blackwood, like you kind of know what you're going to get from Vanacek. I think he's got a pretty good track record to this point in his NHL career. But McKenzie, he's coming off like two bad seasons. You know, not all his fault. His injuries. He got overworked a little bit last season when he was clearly wasn't healthy either. But he looks really good. And you know, like aside from the numbers, I think his just his movement looks so much better than it did a season ago. He was tracking the puck really well against the Rangers in that loss on Friday night, which was really really encouraging. So, yeah, we got three more preseason games this week before, you know, final cuts and stuff like that. And I'm sure Mac is going to get some work here this week. It'll be interesting to see how he looks because he looked really good in the first week. And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from the first week. Um, There's other stuff, but I think just McKenzie kind of looking really, really sharp is extremely. I mean, I think the Rangers performance almost solidifies him for game one. It'd be tough to take the net away from him after a performance like that. Yeah, especially if he has a couple of more starts where he kind of just looks like that over here um, on these next couple of preseason games. I'm sure they're going to split it evenly here a little bit with Vanacek and uh, Blackwood. But if Blackwood's you know, looking like that again, he's probably opening a starter. I'd be surprised if he weren't. Yeah, and Vanacek is no slouch either. I mean, he he looked to be uh, you know great side to side, tracked the puck well. Looks like a above average goaltender, and, and at this point, that's all we can ask for as a one A one B. We'll see how the season shakes out, but you know, goaltending, and we haven't been able to say this for a while, or maybe we did say it a little bit going into last season, where we were pretty confident with the goaltending tandem of Bernier and and Mac, you know, and then both, you know, everything went by the wayside pretty quickly, uh, ten fifteen games in there, but you know, knock on wood, it looks like these two these two might be something. Yeah, even Vanacek, he started that game on uh, Thursday against the Rangers, the one they won 5-2, and the two goals were not his fault. It was just some really sloppy um, play on the power play from the Devils, which... I oh, shocker. I was giving yeah. up two, um, two uh, shorthanded goals to the Rangers. I mean, I was having flashbacks the last season. Yeah, there was um, definitely some flashbacks on uh, Twitter from fans who were just like, oh, no, it's all over again. But, uh, you know, I think they'll get it under control with Andrew Burnett. I, I, at least I hope so, because um, the power plays kind of look good well, otherwise. Well, well so. to be fair, let, let's go, you know, the, the power play was what? One for four against the Habs. I thought there was yeah. great puck movement. Um, I thought they played really well. I think the the power play goal came from Tuna, Tomas Tatar. Yeah. Uh, I think there was good puck movement, good cycling. You, you know, it, it looks to be that there is some improvement, but, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to tell at least for the first quarter of the season. You got to let this at least play out for a good 15 to 20 games. Yeah. And the thing is, too, that Thursday game is a lot of their top power plays were even, uh, power play players were not in the lineup. They, you know, their first unit consisted of. Consisted of something like Eric Hall and Miles Wood. Uh, I think John Marino was even the first power play quarterback. And, you know, that's not – or none. Dougie was playing that game, so he was there. But, like, other, otherwise, like, the forwards, Palat, you know, Brat, uh, sure Jack Hughes, none of them were in the lineup that game, Alex Holtz. So, you know, I think that kind of played a little bit of a factor into why their power play looked sloppy on Thursday. It's just they didn't have a lot of their top guys, and they didn't get a power play in the game on Friday. So, hard to say anything, obviously. 
Yeah, definitely. The the one thing, and in regards to the power play here, the one thing that I did hear in one of Lindy's uh, post game pressers is, you know, they were it was after the Rangers game, and and I believe Amanda, who who does a great job, so shout out to Amanda. I know she gets a lot of hate online. It's it's completely unwarranted. She does a fantastic job for the team. Um, shout out to Amanda Stein. Agreed. But but I believe she asked the question, you know, is is there a little hesitancy about the power play and giving up the shorthand and goals? And I know Ruff went up something along the lines of, you know, that was the one sour spot in the game. But I did notice he did mention that, you know, he says that's why we have two defensemen on the power play, you know, to, to hopefully prevent things like that. And and that made me pause a little bit. I don't. I don't know exactly if I want two defensemen on the power play. I want four forwards on the power play. We should just be a competent NHL team that can move the puck and not make dumb decisions at the blue line that cost, you know, shorthanded goals on a regular basis. Yeah, so I, I think the only reason they were putting two defensemen in that game was because they were giving up the goals and they were trying to, I think, kind of trying to prevent the Rangers from getting some more chances. Um, but I think if I go back to those two games before then, if I remember right, they were using four forwards and one defenseman on each unit, but I'd have to go back and look that up. And I think when the regular season starts, that's probably going to be the case. You'll have four forwards and a defenseman on each unit with Dougie, probably Dougie on the top unit, and then Damon Severson, I would think, on the second unit. Um, uh, I mean, that's just the way most teams operate. I guess, you know, in situations, maybe if they have a power play late in the game and they just kind of want to hold off whatever lead they have they might go with a more standard like three two look but i'm not i don't really think they're gonna do like three three forwards and two defensemen on a second unit especially if they're trying to actively score a goal or tie the game or whatever well i remember last year towards the end i mean listen last year is a little bit of a blur right now but i remember at some point the second unit had either pk on the wing or or severson on the wing with the other one running the point Hopefully this year, and and I think we've seen it throughout. And the topic I do want to touch on is it seems like we have a lot more forward depth this year, where we won't need to 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 enlist two power two defensemen on the power play. Granted, you know PK does have a rocket, and and I think since the last time we recorded, uh, PK did hang it up. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to PK, great career. I know there was some debate: is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? Still yep. to be determined. I think yep. he might be. He's he's probably think, on the cusp. But yeah, what I mean, he's done for the game. years for... old, you know, it's tough. He didn't play that long. But, yeah, it'll be, um, I guess, when he's eligible for it, you know. It'll be an interesting debate for sure. We, we can table that for for a rainy day or. Yeah, for, when there's nothing going on or something. Maybe a summer podcast. Yeah, we'll table it. Yeah, July 2023. There we go. We have a topic already. <laughs> um. Okay, let, let's get into the defensive core. Uh, we have a couple battles uh, for the bottom pair uh, with Kevin Ball, uh, Nikita, and Brandon Smith. I mean, Brandon Smith's going to be on the opening day roster. It just depends yeah. if he's going to be the seventh defenseman or not. W- give us your thoughts on um, Nikita and Kevin and how you think they've performed so far. Because, and, and let me caveat that I think it's pretty safe to say at this time that Nemich is going to start uh in Utica yeah you know he's sure. he's looked great we've talked about it before he's got great vision really smooth on the puck I think there's a few defensive areas that they're probably going to want him to improve on so with that caveat we are Alex and I I think are pretty confident we've talked about this offline pretty confident that uh, Nemich will start in Utica so l- let's go back to ball and, and Nikita 
Yeah, so I think after watching the first uh, week of the preseason that it's pretty clear that Kevin Ball's the front runner for that position. He's just, um, I think, was it CJ? I think CJ Tortoro may have tweeted this, but maybe other people too, that um, the Devils haven't given up a high-danger chance with Kevin Ball on the ice in the preseason so far. I think they've won that battle like something like 14 nothing, which is ridiculous. I know small sample sizes and whatnot here, and you're not always playing against best competition uh, in the preseason. But, I mean, he looks really good. I, I think he's just so far ahead of Nikita Hochuk and uh, Riley Walsh uh, that I think he'd probably be him and Marino. That would be my opening night third pair. But Brendan Smith is the veteran, and you know I think they might give it to him, especially since they're playing the Flyers the first night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ball looks great. I think he's NHL-ready at this point. It's something that I talk about a little bit in the article I'm writing for tomorrow. So chances are by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be published on the Hockey Writers already. But, yeah, I think Kevin Ball is one of the, probably my um, – he impressed me most among their defense uh, this week. He just – he looks you – know, he can defend the rush well. He's winning one-on-one battles, and his skating is pretty solid. It was already pretty solid for a guy his size, but it looks like he's even a little quicker now. So, yeah, I know I, I know Hochuk is um, pretty popular with fans because he's – Oh, he's a cult hero already. Yeah. I mean, he's after that disturber. hit, yeah. after that hit at at the red line uh, at center ice oh, yeah, uh, against the Rangers, oh, yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a good old one. Yeah, he's a shit disturber. I mean, he's physical. He's not gonna. He's not afraid of getting into an altercation or anything like that. So he's definitely a fan favorite already, even though he hasn't even played that much. Um, but I think Kevin Ball is definitely better than him right now. I think Ahoju still has stuff to work on. That would it would be better for him to play in Utica to start the season for sure. But I, I think definitely we'll get get some get to see Nikita at some point this season with injuries oh, yeah. or how the schedule plays out. I think you know I think he has improved his game in the off season. But to your point, I think Ball's just on another level right now. Yeah. He seems NHL ready, and boy is he a big body. I mean, you're not pushing him off the puck against the wall, uh, and and those you know in the corner puck battles i, I yeah. think he, he's ready to go yeah that was something he really did well against the rangers in that 5-2 win on thursday it just kind of stood out to me I, that's part of the reason why that devils haven't given up in high a high danger chance with him on the ice so far and his expected goals numbers are just kind of through the roof to start the preseason it's just he's not he's stopping the attack before you know, the opponent gets a chance to even start it. so i think that kind of gives him a leg up and he's got you know he's what is this his third season uh playing pro hockey so He's got a little bit of ex- a little more experience than a Hochuk. I think a Hochuk's first season was last season was his first season pro. So, um, you know, I think it's time for him. He's a little older than a Hochuk too. So, yeah, I think he's going to make the roster defensively, and then you know you'll probably see a rotation of him and Brendan Smith alongside Marino on the third pair. That would probably be my bet at this point. Well, if you told me that we were going to get a Dawson Mercer and a Kevin Ball out of the Taylor Hall trade and Jonas Siegenthaler, that they used and that Jonas third Siegenthaler. Round I mean, yeah. that's that's you know, Kevin Ball will probably be a bottom pair defenseman, uh, maybe maybe a second pair. We'll see how his career develops. But Jonas really established himself as a first pair D last year from his dis- defensive statistics, and Dawson really seems to be you know shot out of a cannon. We'll get to Dawson later in the episode, but. <laughs> that trade's looking better and better by the day, Alex. Yeah, it, and I remember everyone remembers at the time. Everyone was like, "Oh, well, that's an underwhelming return for 
the Devils, which I guess at the time, you know, that was definitely a fair argument. But you look what they turned the rest of the trade into. What is it? Almost three years ago. Well, I think point. it was a fair argument after seeing the Devils draft record. So to be fair. Yeah, that's def- I won't argue that. That is for sure. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, they turned it into Dawson Mercer, Siegenthaler. Um, and obviously, if Ball starts becoming a meaningful contributor in the NHL now, that's huge. I mean, it took three years. But, it's, that's that's yeah. three significant roster contributions. Yeah, a lot of trades don't turn out like that. So that definitely be a plus. Yeah, and we don't need to revisit that trade. But next, <laughs> their potential, their potential D partner, John Marino. What's impressed you this preseason and training camp from John? Um, so his skating, I always thought he was a pretty decent skater, but he's a lot more mobile than I thought, or I knew he was mobile. I think his skating is just better than I thought it was. Um, and then he's pretty much been as advertised when you look at what he was good at in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's really good at defending the rush. That was something he did really well in that 5-2 win against the Rangers also. Uh, he was on the penalty kill, um, that game too, and he forced Mika Zibanejad into a turnover, and then Zibanejad had to take a penalty to prevent an odd man rush, which ended the Rangers' power play. That was something that stuck out to me too. Um, he was also, he's, I guess hockey IQ would be the best uh, way to put it, is really good. He, he knows when to jump up in the play and pinch in the offensive zone, or he knows when to make the right, uh, I guess, he knows when to stand up at the blue line at the right decision to defend the rush, which I guess is why he's so good at doing that. Um, and he's going to be a third pair defenseman probably to start the season. So that's, that's a real luxury if your third pair is like something Brendan Smith and Marino, uh, cause he's definitely, he's better. He can play top pair, not top pair, but he could definitely play top four minutes if Lindy Ruff needs him too. He, yeah. He seems to be one of those defensemen that's just going to eat up penalty kill minutes. He could still move the puck through the neutral zone. Great. His skating seems to be fantastic. Overall, I'm I'm just impressed, and what an upgrade that is for from Ty Smith. I mean, yeah, it's it's night and day, really, uh, from from a hockey sense standpoint as well, from physicality as well. I, I don't think John's a, is going to shy away from any battle anytime soon either. Yeah, and the the biggest difference for sure is that Marino can defend the rush really well. Granted, Smith is four years younger, and maybe it's still something that'll come along to him. Is he's still got time to develop? He's only what twenty one or twenty two years old. But I mean, the Devils couldn't afford to take that chance of you know if it doesn't happen this season, then you know there'd be some problems, and I, his trade value would definitely decrease. So they were right to kind of just sell on him, and they got a top four defenseman in return. And Marino really looks like he's going to be a valuable. Uh, I guess weapon for rough in the, the the top six the defense pairs. Yeah, more wizardry from Fitzgerald in the trade market as we've seen <laughs> yeah. year in year out. I mean, yeah, unreal, definitely one of his strengths. Self. That's for sure. Definitely. So let's move to the offensive group now. I, I think we've covered everything defensively. I don't think there's much to touch on. Maybe uh, actually one one other topic I would want to touch on is Dougie. Talk about Mac mm. being back. Right. Dougie looks like he's back and, you know, I remember I was at the game opening night, Blackhawks was <sighs> at 15 seconds in, Dougie yep. nets it. Like, I'm like, holy crap, here we go. We got yeah. the guy, we signed him, he's coming as advertised. And then what? It was playoffs, baby. Games? Everyone was thinking playoffs. Yeah, here Jack we go. I remember calling you. Yeah. Yeah, I remember calling you after games for, for our listeners that don't know, uh, Alex is my first call post games when I drive back <laughs> yes. to my undisclosed location of where I live. 
but Alex and I uh, would always break down the games and talk about them. And I know there was a lot of premature Norris talk in those conversations after watching uh, Dougie play some of these games. I think there was even a Rangers game last year where he just flat out dominated. I think he might have had 15 shot attempts. I'm not saying they all hit the net, but it yeah. was it was crazy. There were a couple games last year, I remember. I remember one for sure because I was at that game. It was against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lost in overtime. I think Scott Wedgwood was the starter of that game. and uh, Hamilton scored, and he had like 10 shots on goal. Um, and he looked a little bit like that in that 5-2 win against the Rangers last week where he was just so active offensively, and it, it looked like there were no nagging injuries from the broken jaw or the broken toe. The skating definitely looked improved because, um, you know, I would have people tell me in my mentions uh, like the second half of last season that Black or not Blackwood Hamilton looks like he's skating in uh, cement, which I didn't really disagree with. And then we found out he was had a broken toe, which was probably the reason why he looked like he was skating in cement because he's usually a pretty good skater. I'd, say, like I'd he, say that's a pretty good guess, Alex. If uh, yeah. you break your toe, you can't skate yeah, at 100 I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I would. I kind of think that's a bit of a problem. So, yeah, I, that's a good guess. Good educated guess on my part for once. Um, but, yeah, Hamilton definitely looks like he could be back. And that Rangers game, the the stretch pass he made to Miles Wood off the boards was perfect. And then the pass he made to Tatar in the neutral zone, which sprung Tatar loose on an odd man rush, and he put that beautiful backhand there in the back of the net. Um, it looks like he's going to be a valuable contributor this season, assuming, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get injured again. But he looks like he's coming in for a bounce back season, too. Which will just be hopefully that does wonders for the power play. Uh, I think yeah. that's what we all envisioned when he came in last year, that he would be a game changer on the power play. Yeah, 100%. And I still think he can be. Uh, I think he's a great quarterback. He's got great vision. And I think he's a forward in a defenseman's body. And I think he's basically said as much when he first came here in those initial interviews. Yeah, there's someone in Todd Cordell's Discord server who's going to love that you just said uh, he's a, a, a forward in a defenseman's body. I'll, I'll let you know via text. But when he listens to this, he knows who he's going to be because I don't disagree with that, too. He does play like a forward a little bit. Um, so I'm not going to dox him here. But he, he knows. He knows when he listens to this. He's going to know. I might have to reinstate myself back in that Discord, but oh, yeah. hey, listen, one day the big reveal will happen, and they're gonna love it. You know, I I think my name is a big enough clue if you know who I am. Yeah, but I mean, we'll just you leave it at that. We'll just leave it enough, at that. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll just leave that. We'll just leave that there. Um, you know, fisherman's the clue. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of controversy. You know, time out real quick. This controversy at this this fishing competition. Did you see this, Alex? I no, I oh, don't. Yeah, this like an actual this, fishing competition. Oh yeah, so that's you know the, all these guys they go and they fish bass or trout. Yeah, yeah I, I see them on TV sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you know they're on ESPN yeah. eight or whatever. So <laughs> ESPN they, the Ocho, the Ocho, definitely on the Ocho. So I mean, rainy Saturday morning. This is what's on. <laughs> so apparently, and this was all over Twitter. There, this, this, these two guys that were multiple times champions got caught stuffing their fish with lead weights and fish fillets so that they're, and, and listen, I'm not going to claim that I actually know how a fishing competition is judged, but I think there's some component of weight on the fish that you catch or a total weight to yeah. how much you caught, whatever. Well, these guys were stuffing their fish. So, to make them heavier? 
Yes, yes, yes. And it was this, Alex, I'll have to send you some. some This honestly sounds like it would be like a Will Ferrell movie along like the, I I guess like along the lines of like something like Talladega Nights or Semi Pro or something like that. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, why? I mean, listen, what happened to some good, honest competition? I mean, between this. The chess competition. Did you hear about the chess? The chess no, scandal. I'm, no, this Alex, is chess, chess there's and fishing. There's a huge. There's I need to get on yeah. chess and fishing Twitter because apparently I'm missing out on stuff here. We're on different parts of the internet, Alex. But <laughs> the, the the in chess, the there's multi-time world grandmaster, whatever top dog, right? Was yeah. playing against some American, and he lost. But yeah. there was rumors of cheating and that he was actually had vibrating anal beads that were tipping <sighs> him off to moves to make. Uh, apparently, the, his I've play been... was so erratic and it didn't make sense in the normal course. Of, I don't know how all this shit works, but whatever. The But the headline was cheater accused of using vibrating anal beads. So I'll just leave that one there. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I'm gonna probably leave it there too because I have no idea what to say to that. That I've never heard of something like that ever. And then, and then there, we're talking about it, chess here. Chess. This is chess. Yeah, this is chess. So, yeah, that's crazy. As I said, I just want some good old honest, you know, competition. So you would right. think you would get that with chess and fishing, but whatever. So not only is this a devil's podcast, apparently we're a chess and fishing cheating kind of like we're keeping you up to date on sports you don't know about where there's some wild cheating scandals. What was, it, what was it? The wacky world of sports that used to come on on the weekends something on NBC? Like that, yeah. It was part of the Today Show or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to hockey here, Alex. Yeah, and, a little and off you, topic. And you, and you touched on this earlier. Um, you know, when we were touching with Dougie, but let's let's move to the forward group. Miles Wood, is he back? Yeah, there's yeah a lot I think of people this is who the could be back. That's right. Are yeah. these guys back? Yeah, I think we just found our podcast title here. Is he back? Because that's basically what we're touching upon here. Um, I think he could be back too. The thing that I had the most concern with him was obviously hip surgery and a guy who plays his style of hockey. Uh, how is he going to be able to skate, especially since you know, those hip is- surgeries, those hip surgeries are very scary for hockey players. You know, they, some come back, some don't. I mean, wait, it, it wasn't, did, didn't Corey have hip surgery? Corey Schneider did. Pekka, Pekka yeah. did. Pekka had a good career after he had the surgery though. A Tuka Rask, most recent guy I can remember having actually Brad Marchand. He's going to be working his way back from hip surgery now. Double hip surgery, I think. Um, yeah. Tuka Rask, he couldn't go last season. That's why he retired. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things I was concerned about with Miles Wood was like, how was he going to look skating wise? Was he still going to have the speed? Was he still going to be able to play as physically as he used to before the surgery? And so far, I don't really see anything that's kind of raised a red flag for me. He looks pretty solid. Um, the speed is definitely still there. That was on the goal that um, against the Rangers that Dougie fed him on. I mean, he was on the rush there and uh, I don't remember who's defending him, but yeah, he just kind of blew by him. The guy had no chance and he put it behind Shesterkin for the the, the goal um physicality i mean he's always gonna play like that uh something i don't really pay attention too much attention to but he seems to still it's not an issue for him he's he's still going hard on the forecheck hip seems to be holding up as far as i can tell i mean uh he looks like he could definitely be back i don't yeah i don't yeah definitely see any red flags as far as health wise with him so far yeah i i think um if we keep him on the third fourth line yeah, maybe occasionally slot him up into the top six with an injury or whatnot. But he he is built for a rumble and tumble type of hockey game, and and that's best suited in the bottom six. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I even top nine. I'm a little hesitant to do it with just kind of what the guys, the Devils have this year. I feel like he should just be on the fourth line no matter what. But if they want to try him on the third line, it just seems like they're kind of doing a little bit in the preseason. You know, go for it. You can experiment with it for a little bit at least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next, let's move to a line combination where the <sighs> name is is still still to be determined. But I think the initial Initial poll results are H2O with Hughes, Holtz, and Palat. What are your thoughts, Alex? What have you seen that you've liked? What have you seen that you haven't liked? Let's hear it. Um, yeah, so they played the the game against the Rangers on Friday night. And it was really the only forward line that kind of just generated anything that game at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, Hughes had the goal, and it was off a really nice play from Holtz if I... Uh, remember right or maybe that was the islanders game but either way i believe i believe the board play was the islanders game where he said yeah okay that was yeah right 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 right. um so yeah but even i mean i think i'm pretty sure palat and holtz both picked up assists on that Hughes goal on friday night and um you know if that's gonna be their top line um i i don't think i really have an issue with it but i do want to see more out of them in the preseason a little bit uh just kind of get a little more chemistry you know, you, you, I'm talking about this in the article I write tomorrow, so I don't want to give too much away, but I still want to see a little bit more from Holtz. Um, as far as shooting ability goes, he's, you know, I want to see him start putting pucks in the back of the net. I think it'd be good for his confidence, too, because he still doesn't have an NHL goal in the regular season, even though he like played, what, 10 games last season or whatever for that. But I feel like once you get that first career goal, then I feel like you just feel a lot more confident. And he's going to be playing with pretty good players in Hughes and Palat that fit him well for the type of player he is. But that's something I'm watching this week, too. If Ruff is going to keep them together, I think I need to see a little more from them before I solidify them as the Devil's top line to start the regular season. I, I think that's fair. But I, I think one thing to mention as well is Jack's got a shot. Yeah, it's crazy. Jack's got a shot. Yeah. Like, that goal against the Rangers was – there was no question that thing was yeah, going in. I mean, even that goal against the Islanders, too, even though he's – Pretty in, he was in you know high danger area in the slot. I mean, he kind of just roofed it past um, Sorokin, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. And he how probably much should have had at least two or three more against the Rangers. He had the one off the pipe that was a little bit unassuming that had Deming off balance. Uh, yeah, and then he, uh, Halak, looks, I think he looks yeah. nuts. Yeah, he had one. Um, he just put off like the shoulder of Halak too, so you could have had a hat trick honestly in that game against the Rangers. But yeah, at least the chances are there, which is good. And he's kind of. Like CJ had pointed out to me on Twitter too. I think um, it's good to see that Jack is creating the chances on his own for the most part. Um, but it's crazy how much his shot has improved since even his second year in the league. Uh, it's just like night and day. Is the thing's lethal at this point. And the dude can skate out of a phone booth. It's yeah, it's silly. Just yeah, his edge work him. is insane. You know, I mean, the elite pace, his vision. I mean, everything. He if he stays healthy, he dances season, on the ice. He dances yeah. on the ice. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's just it's incredible what he can do with the puck at his stick and moving at the pace that he moves at. I'm just so excited to get some regular season hockey to watch him play because yeah. I don't think it matters who's on his line. He's going to make them better. Yeah, he's that type of player that, you know, I mean, I guess there's maybe a couple players on the Devils roster you wouldn't want to put with him. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be – he whoever's on his line is probably going to score a lot of points this year and hopefully Holtz is one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, I don't think he could get Gearston a goal, but mostly yeah. anyone else. Yeah, that's I was thinking maybe, you know, Nathan Bastion, not maybe the greatest – Hey, listen, listen, listen. 
Yeah. Nanny showed some hands this weekend. Yeah, that goal against the Rangers on Thursday night, I'm like, whoa, was that actually Nathan Bastion? Because you don't see that from him too often. A little <laughs> stick handling, kind of a nifty move towards the net, okay. and he just puts he, it past Jess Durkin. I was like, whoa, who is this out have, there? He had, Didn't he have double-digit double, double digit goals last year? He was close to it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, did he have, like, maybe 10 or 11? Listen, yeah, somewhere around there. Nate, he's a good, I mean, he's a good fourth liner. Yeah, I guess I, I want I want Nate and Wood on the fourth line, and then insert whoever will be at center, still to be determined with McLeod, ongoing investigations. Right? Yeah. Well, hey, with Nate too, he's got Fabian Zettelin coming up too, who's looked pretty good in the preseason. So I want Fabian on the third line. Yeah. Well, that could be Tatar and Mercer and Holtz. There's a lot of. I'm going to be doing like a roster projection at the end of next week once preseason games are done. But there's going to be some interesting decisions to make up front for sure. Yeah, I think next episode we can probably be the end of the preseason and we can talk about where we think uh, final cuts will be and and what lineups will look like. Yeah, no, that sounds good to me because uh, especially up front, it's going to be they got to have some tough decisions to make with waiver status and stuff like that too. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, let's let's move on. What have you liked from Dawson so far? He's played the wing. He's played center, as Lindy so kindly reminded us all in the press conference. Um, general over thoughts on Dawson. How does 91 look on him? Uh, well, it's a good number. I, I definitely like it on him. Got some uh, little Tarasenko vibes. No, just he doesn't really look like Tarasenko out there. Stam- but- maybe, maybe Stammer. Yeah, that's yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit, but um, you know, since Nico's out, they pushed him to or not pushed him, they shifted him back to center for that game against the Rangers on Thursday, and he looked, you know, like didn't look like he didn't miss a beat. He looked like it was just a simple transition to him, which is good to know because if Nico he should does maybe miss the first couple of games of the regular season when he gets while he gets back from his um, strained hamstring. It's good to know that Mercer would probably be a pretty good fill at the second uh, as a second line center, and uh, you know, if or, he's not I there, mean, he's going to be on the wing. So, I mean, everything I've seen from Eric Halla too, he can slot in. I mean, yeah. he, he looks like a hard nosed centerman. I'm not, you know, to your point, I'm, he's not driving play, but if he has two competent wingers on his side, he what. Wait, I sent it. I, th- I think I texted you. What he was like seventeen for twenty two from the yep. dot. Sorry, th- I th- I'm talking about Eric here, not Daw- Dawson. But yeah, absurd stat. Regardless yeah, if you're uh, playing in a preseason game or not. Yeah, it's a little bit above seventy seven percent, and I'm sure that was part of the appeal of why they acquired him because his face off percentage over the last three seasons is just a touch above fifty four percent. So you got three guys who are really good at draws down the middle now, and. Maybe it doesn't matter as much at five on five, but in certain situations it does, especially if he's going to play on the penalty kill. Closing closing games out. Yep, uh, that with, too. When you're at six on five or five on six or whatever like that, so situations. We, we like all that. know we all know the difficulties the Devils have had closing out games in the previous seasons, right? And, and to win from from the spot and to, you know have two people out on the ice that can win, uh, you know, in case one gets kicked out or something like that, it's. I think that's hugely important. Yes, and if Hall is going to be, and then it's the, not Mike McLeod out there. Yeah, yeah, it's either, it's going to be either Heischer or Hall at this point. And I would, I really like what I've seen from Hall in the first uh, couple of games he's played. Uh, the shot generation has been there, the, the chance generation, which he's always been good. And at. He's had a couple goals, right? I think yeah, two he, goals. the one. So he had like a full ice, almost full ice, uh, empty net goal against the Rangers to seal it on Thursday, and then. 
uh, he had that cool, uh, slick looking little goal against the Islanders uh, when off of Miles Woods uh, drop pass. So um, yeah, he looks good. He's going to be really good as a third line center. I think it's kind of the perfect guy you want in that role. And uh, he should be pretty valuable part of this team in the middle six. Definitely. Definitely. I don't think I have anything else to add on the preseason games except just pretty positive reactions. You know, yeah. we're seeing we're seeing some of the classic hits of Hughes dominating. You know, Sharon Govich, aka Yeezy. Uh, <laughs> you know, with his quick with this quick snapshot, Dougie Dougie playing well. I think we hit on all the major themes there, and especially the goaltending is probably the most prominent. Yeah. And, and as we close out the show, I, I think it is important we do touch on the uh, elephant in the room, the captain being sidelined with originally what was called cramps and now has been identified as a hamstring strain pull. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, 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 you know, I never know with the devils and I think the ongoing joke and I've seen it multiple times on Twitter so far, you know, he'll be out till March. So <laughs> hopefully yeah. that's not the case. But Alex, any thoughts on the Nico injury? And and I know there was some comments about everyone's optimistic he'll be ready for opening night. What do you think? Um, you know, hamstring strains are tricky things. Uh, if you don't like, we don't really know how bad of a strain he has. And these things could sometimes be a couple weeks. Sometimes it could be like a, a little longer than a month. Um, but I mean, if the Devils are going to reevaluate him in ten days, it makes me a little optimistic that he might be ready for the regular season. Uh, but as I said before, when we were talking about Dawson Mercer, if he's not, uh, if Nico isn't ready to play those first couple games, even a little longer than that, I don't really feel like the Devils will be in as much trouble with Mercer playing as their second line center, especially now that they have Halla too, who you could kind of just kind of interchange Halla and Mercer in middle six roles. And then you still have Jack there. And plenty long- of wingers to go around too. Honestly, yeah. it just, it honestly just gives more room for some wingers to, to make team. Yeah. I mean, even on that game on Friday night, there were Lindy Ruff was trying Diego Sharon Govich at center. And I thought actually uh, easy looked pretty good in that game at center, even though it's not his natural position. Like if they need to play Sharon Govich at center too, you could do it if you really have to. So that's why I'm not like too concerned. I'm just Obviously, hesitant in his, I'm just hesitant in his 200 foot game. Yeah, he, that's the he, thing. I I worried he doesn't backtrack like he should, especially as how important that is to the center position. Yeah, I think that's probably a concern that Ruff would have too. But if you have him on a line with like Mercer and Brat as his wingers, you know, I think you could kind of get away with that. But I you know, I would be surprised if Sharon Govich started the season at center over like someone like Mercer. Uh, if Nico is not there, and that's why I'm like, obviously you want Nico Hischer in the lineup. Like the guy was produced at a 70 point pace last season. He's like a top line, fringe top line center. Um, probably be a top line center on most teams in the league. Um, but you know, if Mercer and if Hughes, Mercer, Halla, and McLeod are your four, first four centers, you know, not in bad spot. That's for sure. I'm hoping for a Selkie push this year from top Nico. Yeah. yeah, only top five voting. Yeah, I mean, even Jack has looked. Uh, I'm not. I'm not definitely not penciling Jack in for Selkie, but he's uh, looked. He's um, playing. He's back checking and making some nice defensive plays in that two-one loss to the Rangers on Friday. I was like, oh, all right, Jack going to put a little more effort into it there this year. So, um, but yeah, uh, Nico Selkie push. Why not? Why not? Why not? And on that note, I, I unless there's anything else you'd like to add, Alex, I think uh, I think we we covered pretty much everything uh, from from the couple preseason games. 
Yeah, no, I think that pretty much covered everything. I mean, we just got three games left here this week, and then regular cuts, and then regular season starts next week. So, so Alex, why don't you remind everyone where we can find you on Twitter, and uh, why don't you plug some of your articles that you have coming out this week? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at alexc underscore thw. I write for the Hockey Writers Infernal Access, so I'll probably have at least two articles for the Hockey Writers this week. I'm shooting for three, and then probably going to have something for Infernal Access next weekend too, but not 100% sure on that yet. Uh, tomorrow I got something, uh, just a little bit about the stuff we talked about in this episode, but kind of recapping the first week of the season. And then uh, I want to do something uh, probably for the Hockey Writers, projecting what the Devils' final roster will look like. That would be for next weekend, though. And and let's just remind everyone, Hockey Writers is no paywall, but yeah. for Infernal Access. Infernal is- Access. Why don't you remind us how we can get access? No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, so if you just go to an article on Infernal Access, you can. it's kind of like any paywall site. You'll see a little bit of the article and then... What Todd has, he'll have um, like a subscribe. Like usually, he runs deals. Sometimes you can even get like a twenty five percent off kind of thing too. But you click on the article, and there should be something like in the middle of the the page where he says subscribe to Infernal Access. Now it's pretty straightforward. It's Substack. So if anyone's here familiar with Substack and subscribe to other Substacks, it's pretty much the same way you would subscribe that that way. Um, and it's not you know it's not expensive. I know, you know money can be a little tight these days, but uh, if you're so gracious to support me, Todd and CJ, uh, this season, that'd be great. And I can tell you from firsthand, it's, it's absolutely stellar content. Uh, they, they try to get a piece out at least uh, once or twice a day. Yeah, uh, Todd's writing daily for sure. And then he's got me and CJ contributing. On my my inbox is, yeah, Todd, Todd does yeah. a fantastic Yeah, Todd's a madman. So. so we didn't shout him out last podcast, but shout out to Todd. Yeah. Uh, you do, do be, some uh, fantastic work. Yeah. And, and Alex, and Alex, why don't you let the listeners know about the little Benny that comes with joining Infernal Access? Um, I'm not. I'm not even sure what you're referring to. So, the Discord. Oh, right, the Discord server. Yeah, so Discord server is. Um, it can get a little wild in there, but during Devils games, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there should be a link if you subscribe to infernal access there should be a link to, uh, to join the discord server and articles as well it's a lot of fun in there we have a general channel where we just kind of talk about hockey in general and then there's devil's games channel which is that's fun on game right you should be in there if you decide to uh, join discord all right well thank you alex for today's episode this is the second one in the books i think alex and i have talked about recording sundays and getting them out on monday so we will do our best to honor that schedule. We, uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll talk to you next week. And with that, the second episode's in the books, Alex. Yeah, sounds good. Cheers. Everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening.